We are back for another week of SVS fly fishing and podcasting. Hey, who originally sings this song, guys? I I don't know. I know this is a cover. I don't know who originally does. I mean, I know Bruce redid it. And my favorite actually uh, is Bruce, uh, that's who I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, slightly stupid. Okay, it, uh, is Bruce the original? I I, I think so. Okay, but this is a uh, Whitey Morgan in the '78. Yeah, good rendition. This I dude, like that. This dude's good. Yes. This is good new country that sounds like old country. Oh, this is new stuff. I like it. Yeah, this is new stuff, huh. man. Yeah. So, uh, hey, we got some new people sitting around the table this evening. Uh, my son Nolan's here. He wants to say hi to our guest this evening. So uh, we're going to let him do that. And uh, Dr. Adam's back. What's he, up, guys? He's been around uh, He's been around the show a couple times before filling in for people. So uh, it's going to be a good night. And yeah. uh, Jay is going to come in right when the guest comes. We're going to keep it secret because... Uh, People probably didn't read the title of the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Building suspense. So tonight's show is being brought to you by Urban Fly Company. Check Urban Fly Company out at urbanflycompany.com. Tied on A-Rex Hooks. You can find them at arexhooks.com. Yeti built for the wild. Hey, I want to throw a big shout out to our buddy Ryan Evans and his beautiful new little girl, Ellis. So uh, check Queen City Guiding out at queencityguiding.com. And if you're looking to put a little bit of money away, go check out Michael at Down North Wealth Management. And Sims Fishing, simsfishing.com. Hey, you should join us every week. We got through that smoothly. <laughs> Predator Fly Gear. Forgot about them. Oh, we did forget about Predator yeah, Fly Gear. Predator Fly Gear. That's the one. You're, you're, you're back off. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, guys, um, hey. If anyone wants to check out a different podcast, I was a guest on the Working Class Fishing Podcast this week. So, oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, are, um, they, are they in relation to Working Class Deer Hunter? I don't think so. Okay. They are two dudes. One's from Texas. One's from the Pacific Northwest. And they gear fish. They fly fish. Um, there was not a lot of fishing content being talked about. You know, mm-hmm. when uh, when we're not in charge of leading the the conversation, things get rowdy. <laughs> um, Mark, if you look, that that's how that podcast went. Oh jeez, <laughs> stack under the table. <laughs> There's about 18 beer cans under uh, the table, yeah. <laughs> and you were sitting here by yourself. I was sitting here all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> they were over Zoom, so I was I was watching them. It was had yeah. the phone uh, cocked up on this Russell's bottle and. There you go. Just cracking beers and telling jokes. Peeing in a bottle under the table. Oh, they cut it off. I was like, guys, 
I, I have to go take a leak right now. <laughs> so that is not a family-friendly episode of that show, but normally those guys do do family-friendly episodes. Not like this one. Nolan, I said do-do. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of dad jokes and dick jokes. They're all flying around. So, uh, do we have anything we need to hit on before uh, before we talk to our guest? Our weather's been whack, so things are finally starting to now get back to a little bit normal, but rivers and creeks are still through the roof. They're mud. And I, we got two inches of rain last Wednesday. We were supposed to get a half inch, and then another half to three quarter on Thursday. Yeah. I think I caught our river at the, the optimal time. It was clear. It was like 500 CFS, Ooh. and then it blew out the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't been out for over a week down to that kid's hole. Yeah, man, that mm-hmm. that youth mentor day was so much fun. You, yeah. you and Mikey missed a missed a good opportunity to fun so out fun. of town wedding. Yeah, go ahead, Nolan. It was so fun. <laughs> so, did you like eating the uh, the trout on the side of the river, bud? Oh my gosh, that was so good. Was it? Yeah. Who caught more fish, you or Riley? Me. You did. Hey, this is an audio show. You gotta talk. They can't, they can't see you raising your hand. <laughs> I know I'm teasing you, bud. That's what dad's here for. I'm the ringleader. I bust balls. <laughs> but yeah, man, we've been over it, but we caught so many fish. It was fun. And then first day of trout, we didn't catch a single fish. We're up at uh, middle of the state there. Uh, we went to Lark's Camp uh, up in Russell City. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was it was a good old time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I actually did brookies again with my daughter first day. Did you? Mm-hmm. Caught a few, a couple. Did uh, how many Mace end up with? One. One. We each got one. She's like, okay, we're good. We're good. Had enough. <laughs> we were going a good ways up too, so it was fun. Yeah, you got to see both of them come up and eat. Oh, you caught them both on top? No, that's the funny part. So they, they the came up to the dropper and then they dropped down and they or the uh, they came up to the dry fly and they went down and hit the dr- uh, dropper. <laughs> yep. so both of them, I was like, look there, I was like, ready? Oh wait, okay, now set. Because like it looked like he ate and it stayed there, and then next thing you know, then it went down. I was like, sucker turned right around and ate the bottom. I had a little red zebra midge on it. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so it worked out well. How uh, how big were they? Three, four. Okay, so like the size of your middle finger, probably. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Those are the best size brookies because you know they're doing okay. They're they're still young, but they're they're still pretty. That's funny too because it's like the one spot we were in. It's all changed through there now. There's like every hole is almost completely different. Really? So like the one where the um, there's like a big rock right on the side, and you can walk in below, so they can't even see you because you can hunch down below the rock and the pulls to the right. So she's like flipping it over. I'm like, you got to get a little further. She's like, I can't get it here. And it's like first cast. I saw him come out and swipe. Boom. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Those brookies are so much. Oh, that is a pretty fish. Holy smokes. Look at the palm marks oh, on it. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, it's kind of cool, too, because that little spot right there is like water super clear. Yeah. So he's actually sitting down underneath it in the picture. Oh, nice. oh he's totally submerged. He's totally under it. Yep. Nice. Hanging out. So, yeah, that was – but driving there was ridiculous. Oh, my God. The, the cars up and down, all the streams were just – oh. Absurd. <laughs> oh, I forgot about th- yeah. Absurd. Because I mean, it passed what three different streams on the way there, and everyone was just just packed full. Loaded. Yeah. Western Pennsylvania opening day, Ooh. tent out. Yeah, good, man. Good stuff. Yeah, there's still a lot of tents up and a lot of uh, campers. And mm-hmm. well, that's fun. That that that's half the fun for uh, 
for that's it. what a majority of it is anymore is just the you know the the festivities going into mm-hmm. it well yeah because uh, it's getting there early and then you've got to be patient and wait till eight o'clock mm-hmm. you can have a fire you can make breakfast on the side <coughs> of the river if you want mm-hmm. and it's teaching the kids a little bit of patience before they go and just lay murder to the stock trout <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they're still doing stockings. We got a couple more coming up again. Do, are there? I mm-hmm. I have not paid one bit of attention. My Which dad's been on it. He's retired. He's following trucks and stocking. Yeah, there's he another one me, tomorrow. Good. Gives me play-by-play updates. Where to go next? Yeah. So Mark, you you've been tying a lot lately. I finally got caught up, and then I got almost 200 more to go now. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be tying a lot. <laughs> It was the first time I've been caught up, and it's been almost a year. It was like 11 or nine months. So I'm like, all right, well, this is nice. I'm going to go fish, and then I fish, and I fish. <laughs> yeah, right, brother. <laughs> and then after three straight days of fishing, yep. So, yeah, now we'll be tying a lot, but now i got to be on the water a good bit here coming up, too. i got a couple more guide trips coming, and our weather's finally starting to. Tell you what, we're getting 56 in the bays. Oh, we're going to have. Settling down in like upper 40s, 50 again by morning. But I mean, it's peaking in them days up in there. So it's going to start sustaining out in that lake. And the fish are finally starting to. Seeing them finally progress now. So we're recording this on a Thursday, but this is going to be aired on Easter Sunday. Not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, the ninth, or the 23rd or 24th. We will probably have morels popping up. Yeah. I would say so. You know? Yeah, we've the finally gar- got a good stretch coming now. It's like 50, 60s. I mean, tomorrow's going to be – Saturday's a little cool, but then after that, it's back 50, 60s. Mm-hmm. The garlic mustard will be popping. The morels will be up. Oh, yeah. It, it's nice the time. best The best part about spring. Yeah, it was neat, too, because it's like over the last like week being out there, four or five days, I watched all them fish stacking 15 foot of water and then up a little closer, and then now I'm seeing them up in shallows a little bit and seeing they're still locked. I mean, it's hard to get a fish to eat, but – they're they're getting ready so this time of spring i took my dog for a walk last saturday i thought we went six miles but i google maps it today we did like 3.3 miles (laughs) halfway there but uh we picked 17 ticks off of him when we got back wow Mm. it's that time of year man they're up and they're getting active so many ticks on him yeah there were you helped pick them off too didn't you too bad guineas i just saw them like not so ridiculously loud. We can actually like put them out instead of like pheasants and people can just go shoot them. And they say help yeah. someone with the ticks <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. But yeah, they're just gonna sit there and scream their brains out all the time. But we uh, we ended up. What did I say? Do three point three miles, zero sheds. I found one carcass that the coyotes had eaten. I only know that the coyotes ate it because there was a pile of poo with fur in it mm. right beside it. Local here, around the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I left my house and did like a three-mile loop. Mm-hmm. It was over by 376. We followed that creek over. Mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of trespassing, but I wasn't doing anything bad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, we got a lot of coyotes. Yeah. A lot more than people think we do. So, oh, yeah. what do you guys think? Think we should go sure. take a gentleman's break and then come back yeah. with uh, our good. guest, Ryan Cal Callahan? I like it. Yeah, it. sounds good. All righty, guys. We'll be back. They all call me wildfire. Everybody knows hell I'm bad news. Everywhere I go. Yeah, pretty cool guest. I know.
And we are back with Ryan Cal Callahan. What is going on, buddy? Oh, we just uh, we have uh, some elk and deer tags just just got drawn here in the state of Montana. No way! You just and, found uh, out. I, I kind of scattered shot and, and applied for a deer tag that uh, I just learned is is not a very good deer tag to apply for. So I was staring at the Onyx maps here and seeing uh, how much fun I can make out of it. So is that an archery tag, rifle tag? Uh, how, how does the state of Montana do that? So this is just a general tag. So you can hunt really any weapon. Uh, but when it's archery season, you got to hunt with a bow. So both. Okay. Are you going to take your trad bow like normal or you going to do uh, training wheels? What's the game plan? This is pro I'm probably going to wait until the last couple days of the season to go after this one. So I'll, I'll probably have the rifle on that one. Okay. And is this the time of year that you guys are uh, as a company and as a group collective trying to plan out, all the different stops you're going to make throughout the season. Yeah. I, I mean, we're getting into like where it's going to be real serious planning. There's, there's really never a point at which there is no planning going on. Um, so, but now you like, you're, if you're drawing tags, then that, that forces you, you got to get it real serious and, and figure your stuff out. So, um, I classically don't draw anything. And like I said, like the tag I drew here is not, uh, I just, just, just learned that, uh, it is not very sought after. So, <laughs> which is, which is why I drew it, I'm sure. Um, but that's what you get for not doing any real research on where you should apply. Um, is it a hard to get and, to area or is it just a low size, you know? Deer? Yeah. You know, it's like, I think there's plenty of, plenty of deer, but you could, from what I've read and what I've, the couple of folks I've talked to, like just your regular old over the counter Montana general tag has it as much if not better opportunity than being stuck in this unit with one tag. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so you're kind of uh, tying your hands behind your back with this one. You know, the, the real benefit of draw tags is it, it forces you to go where that is. So you, you do get to learn more about a unit and stuff. And I, I know there's really good uh, upland bird populations. So, so the more more I learn about where to go hunt birds in the state is always a bonus with with the dog. So So, so I'm not complaining at all. It's does, just just another opportunity. Does the dog ever make it on trips like that to uh to go and keep you company? Um, yeah, absolutely. She she did her first elk hunt with me last year and and uh was 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 very very good companion. Um, and then I've always hunted with, with my labs for, I, I mean, I'll always tell you like the best archery partner I ever had was, uh, yellow lab named 
named the big fish. Um, and she was, she was great. Now would they, would she be with you the whole time that you were out in the woods? Yeah. You know, uh, hunting dogs know what, what hunting is Mm -hmm. and it takes them a little bit of time to figure out that the type of hunting, but once they figure out that, that it is hunting, then, then Labradors in, in particular, they just go back to their defaults of like, when you tell them to sip, they got to sip. And then, uh, I'd slide down the mountain a little bit and, and call and, uh, you know, have all sorts of fun interactions with the elk and then, be able to whistle and the dog would slide up behind me and, and then I'd like let her blood trail and, and, uh, give her some tasty bits when I was field dressing out there and it seemed to be a pretty darn good system for everybody involved. Yeah. That's awesome. I would have assumed that there was regulatory problems with, with big game animals out West, but, um, obviously I know you're on the up and up with that, but I, I do think in Pennsylvania, I don't think that, I don't think that we can have a dog out with, with whitetail hunting, but I'm not sure. The, yeah, the regs are, you got to have uh, a dog in control and some states are like actually on a leash. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, like, uh, there'd be no way to mistake what we do for harassing wildlife. Sure. You know? Sure. And that, that's the concern. So what, what's easier? Is it easier to go hunt with snort for a big game or is it easier to hunt with camera guys that are uh dip and chew and, you know, walking around making noise? You know, that's, that's a good <laughs> question. So like your crew, there's benefits to the crew, right? Like there's more eyes in the woods and that's great. But yeah, there's, you know, three or four times more um, deer or people sent and in more noise, obviously, like we just got done with the uh, turkey hunt in Florida and, you know, my, my, my crew, they were like first time turkey hunters, you know? So they were like, Oh my God, I had no idea turkeys could hear. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I hear, hear real well. So, um, and they see even better, I, right? I, they see even better. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, the, the, the dog is always easier. And while we're like on the dog, dogs used to being on your hip, you know? Yeah. While we're on the snort topic, uh, you did have a, a a slight issue with her last fall, was it, with the uh, the snake incident? Yes. Yeah. Is yeah. So, is, is there any uh, lasting effects to that situation, or is she all healed up and uh, ready to go? Yeah, she's got a little bald spot on her ear, uh, and that's about it. So I don't. Kind of makes me nervous. Because uh, I feel like she could get frostbite on there, but uh, we we got through last season just fine, and, and uh, she's she's a killer, man. She's she's good to go. She's she's a great uh, sitting on the couch dog while I work too much, and then when we get her out, she flies. Can I ask you how old Snort is? 
she will be two in, I think, May 1st or 2nd. Okay, because I have an Ollie dog who's a nine-month-old lab who's 90 pounds and full of energy, nonstop, ready to go 100% of the time. It's nice to have, like, an off switch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and 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 uh it's it's pretty fun like for the labradors it typically like they understand the retrieving play and they understand hunting and they definitely know when neither of those things are happening and then they're they're pretty happy to be chill you know yeah absolutely it they're they're great cuddle companions because our lab's the same size as my wife right now so um so cal uh in the state of montana mushrooms are going to be popping up here pretty soon i bet um do you forage as its own style of hobby or do you just do that while you're out scouting for elk and deer and just pick up what's along the way Uh, i definitely do you know, try to time it right and go out and, and stack a bunch of mushrooms. I, I love hunting mushrooms, but I love picking mushrooms more. So, so <laughs> I hear you. I, I try to stack the deck in my favor. Um, and then, uh, some wild asparagus and, uh, you know, some wild onions or ramps or, you know, kind of those types of things wherever, wherever the the timing dictates yeah i got a few good ramp spots should be should be ready to go here in the next couple weeks weeks chad i'm in man yeah i'll show you yeah those things those things are are awesome you know you can roast them and or pickle them or whatever they're they're great put them in a soup we'll stew yeah or just a little shallot style addition for sure so Ryan, just to paint the picture here, where are you geographically right now? So right now I am in Bozeman, Montana. Okay, cool. I should say formerly known as Bozeman, currently known as Bos Angeles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it the the fastest growing city in the country by population? Oh God, I don't I don't know what type of depressing metric I'd have to look up. But <laughs> it's there's a lot of people. Yeah, we, and it's more coming in every day. Yeah. We had uh, another guy come in, Jay, who's a regular on the show. I'm more of a fill-in at best, um, but we flew into into Montana a couple years ago at the very early stages of the pandemic in June of 2020, and it was nice because there was we were literally I I swear we were the only 10 people in the airport when we landed, <laughs> and then we went down and, and visited Yellowstone when it was also very vacant, but had a nice family vacation. Um, but I've only, you know, I've only heard in the past couple of years since then that it has blown up big time during, you know, during these time pandemic times, and the the um, mass exodus of California, apparently, huh? Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty wild, man. People people want to be here. There's no question about it. I can't blame them. And do you think there's a, any correlation between the meat eater t- 
taking off and being located in Bozeman and the uh, and the rise in popularity of the town? No, I think it maybe it's like an additional reason for folks. I think what was like drastically underestimated around here is that it's such a hub for people coming into the state for like their yearly vacation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've talked to a, a bunch of real estate folks around here too, and they've had lots and lots of people on lists for years looking for something real specific that they can retire into. And then when COVID hit, all those people were like, don't care, buy it. Yeah. So what's the sustainability? I mean, yeah, if you got a lot of retired people, I understand that. But a lot of them that are coming obviously aren't either. What's the sustainability for these people being able to stay for a period of time? Is there that much work? There isn't that much work there other than like fishing and hunting industry, is there? Well, there's this would be like a fairly probably like I would think like the biggest tech town in Montana too. Gotcha. So there's some industry in. There's stuff they can bring from California over and just keep going there with it. Then in sense. Yep. Yep. For sure. So there's like some bioscience stuff here. There's um, a lot of laser technology here. The, and then, you know, there's, everything attributed to the university and the museum and um there i mean there's there's quite a diverse job market here what's available i i don't i couldn't tell you so but i've i've spoken to a lot of people that are like silicon valley people that uh, commute every week in and out of here. So, huh. so we will get something that you know a little bit more about than uh, than the tech industry, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> your your current title is the director of conservation at the Meat Eater. What what does that yes, entail? Sir. What does that entail? You doing? Well, uh, I guess I kind of work backwards here. So okay. uh, we've got a couple of big initiatives going on right now. One, the land access initiative, which is our push to both donate cash and fundraise and cut some checks on behalf of creating more access to public lands. Uh, a few years ago, we purchased or we helped purchase, facilitate the purchase of a property in Maine that uh, is the first public ground for Kingsfield Township, Maine. And that's a a really pretty lake and place where people have historically gone to uh, canoe and fish and hike and, uh, but it was all private. And then that landowner decided that they needed to sell. And this guy, Brent West of the High Peaks Alliance, he got a hold of the landowner and said, Hey, can you give us some time to see if we can't turn this into buy it from you and turn it into a, a public property so people can continue to go fish and swim and, and do all that stuff. So uh, we were able to jump in on that and help 
raise money to get that property closed and then also provide a little operating cash in order to get it set up um, in perpetuity. And just recently, Brent was a guest on the Meat Eater podcast telling the story. And it's a it's great to hear it coming from his mouth because you could really tell, tell how much he care he or him and his group care about the uh, the area that you guys help protect. Yeah, right. And he said something along the lines like, "Yeah, it's a great place, but you don't come visit." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I think you know we could all all understand that sentiment for sure. Uh, so that was you know he had like a little COVID break, like a lot of things, but we're we're back in full force now. We were playing with about. 70 grand that first year all said and done and now we're over a, a hundred grand on the first leg of of fundraising that's great and we're hoping to be able to write like a very substantial check this year and the the fun part about this is is it is based off of audience submission so mm-hmm it's people out in all of our hunting and fishing communities, identifying projects and sending them in. And, uh, I get to look through the, the stack and, and find the ones that I think we can actually execute on. So and how, then, uh, dig deeper and, and find the right fit, you know, how many submissions do you actually get for one of these projects? Well, so we did really the, the submissions, Go, come in super hot and heavy when we really push it and then they taper off pretty quick when we don't so we did kind of our big initial call to action and and we have about 300 submissions um and as soon as i i get through those we'll do another another round of uh pumping folks for more submissions and, and if you have some place that you know of you can go to the land access initiative page on the com and submit a property for us to take a look at. And, you know, we really, the, the mission statement is to just provide more access and that could be in the form of actually purchasing a property or purchasing an easement through a property And, um, you know, kind of like anything in between, right? A boat ramp, any, anything that provides more. Yeah. Cal, I don't know how much vetting you do to come on to a small podcast like this, but we're all pretty, uh, local Western Pennsylvania boys. We're all from this area. Do you, can you recall anything notable, you know, applications or leads in, in Pennsylvania? Um, yes, there's, you know, you guys have big state forests in Pennsylvania. Yeah. The Allegheny for sure. Right. So, so we've had uh, some folks write in on additional access points to some state forest ground. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Seth's cousin, Uh, was it? (laughs) Yes. You know, that's, that's my main exposure to Pennsylvania folks, Uh Seth Morris. Did you come on that flintlock hunt or no? I did not. No. no. Have you ever hunted in Pennsylvania? 
I have never hunted in Pennsylvania. I, I have been close, uh-huh. but most recently uh, hunting grouse in Maine. And are you geographically trying to spread out the wealth of the land access initiative? And like you just did one in the New England area. Are you going to try to do one somewhere else? Or if something great pops up in the New England area, you're going to do that again? If it's if it is something that strikes us as like the right thing, I really don't care where it's. You based. don't care where it's at, just as long as it's no, a good fit. It's it's the most impact for the cash that we have. And uh, you guys are doing the the auction house of oddities. Is that the main uh, the main fundraising uh, event for this uh, land access land access initiative? It is. Yep. Yep. So. There's, there's a lot of other things that we do, but this is kind of the, the big one that we own would be the auction, auction house oddities. So, uh, it's quite fun to see what, what people, uh, submit, but other than that, like it it seems to work too. I saw you had a, a pheasant tie up the other day. Yeah, so that that's pretty funny because I was at a Pheasants Forever banquet, was walking through the room, had to cut through one of the bar lines, and looked down and, and this guy's got this necktie on, and I was like, oh my God, can I take a picture of that thing? <laughs> and it is, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Right now, there's six bids on that tie for 750 bucks. I, I was hoping you're going to say right now I'm wearing it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, but that was like a generously donated thing. Right. So, um, the, the guy who had that thing reached out and was like very impressed by the response that the picture of his tie got on Instagram and, uh, asked if he could donate it to the auction house oddities, which is super cool. <laughs> And in years past, uh, DOS boats have been auctioned and just anything from a tie to a boat, really. Yes. Yeah. And just so you know, the most recent DOS boat, a, a boat that I really want. Um, the Mako? The Mako. Mean? Yeah. The Mako is for sale right now. There you go, Cal. Chip in. Let's go halfers, man. Well, it's <laughs> not on the auction house, and it's a little far away for me, but. <laughs> it uh it's pretty pretty close to you fellas if you're in pennsylvania so so speaking of the mako um sad but true bent is done this is going to air on sunday bent is done as of friday correct yes yeah yeah which is super unfortunate like the level of work that's in that podcast is is super heavy you know they did a phenomenal job with that uh miles joe cermelli and then uh hayden uh coming in later in the game but and then phil of course is is editing everything and yeah i mean it's that was a real real production and it's a bummer to see it go It, it it was definitely like something that uh I think was like a shining star in the 
media that we produce. It, it really was. It gave me a reason to wake up on Fridays. <laughs> 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 but, hey, we'll throw our hats in. Uh, if Meteor wants another fishing prog- or podcast, well, SVS will gladly change our name to Bent and come on over <laughs> to, the, to the crew, man. <laughs> make the pitch i love it yeah there you go we're both these we're both miles and joe on this podcast chad yes both miles and joe that's what i thought i think we got miles three episodes before we moved to new zealand <laughs> i have to clean our act up a little bit though yeah yeah um yeah and, i mean you're just you're talking about like a, a host of super talented people like uh, yeah i can't can't say enough about miles nolte and and you know, I'm a terrible writer. I try real hard, but to sit down with, with Miles and, and write uh, was just exceptional. Like, like, just feel, like, very fortunate to have that experience and, and watch how he could simplify and, and, and fill up a page with first crack, very good stuff, you know. And then uh, Cermelli is somebody that out of like I'd just been paying attention to that guy for so long and always just thought you know his his approach to um you know what what became b-sides on our channel was just fantastic you know yeah that was really and like overlooked that that leads into so many different different topics with the different YouTube uh, series that you guys have going. But I just wanted to, one thing, Miles still has a voice on the meat eater networks. He's a, he's, <laughs> he's the voice of a uh, cows we can review at the very beginning. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Um, yep. So he's, he's uh, uh, here in faith, I suppose. So you mentioned that you're not a very good writer in your own eyes. Um, you guys do so much different content with the audio podcasts and the videos and the different series on YouTube and the Netflix and the website where you guys write. What What is your favorite form of making content? You know, it, it's really anything. Well, I'll tell you right now in the world of this stuff, like being a guest on somebody else's show is about as good as it gets when your job's to like go make content. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't have to do like, any of the preparing. Right. Oh yeah. Like I'm not there to produce. I'm not there to make sure things happen. I just, just get to be along for the ride. And that's, that's like as close to like turning your brain off in this gig as you can get. Um, and uh and and just being able to kind of enjoy what's happening um oh man i just checked so the upland bird hunting kit that i put on the auction house oddities yeah is seriously undervalued right now Ooh, bargain so what you're saying is sunday when this comes out everyone should flock to the meat eaters auction house oddities and look for the upland bird kit oh it's yeah you're you're below market value where it sits right now at uh 500 bucks i I put together a great dog first aid kit that's in there 
uh, got a set of my steel pruning shears for cutting through birds. And uh, the vest is the best vest I've ever worn. Got a final rise vest. This guy, Matt, makes them out of Utah. So um, all the different content that you guys create, I I think my favorite is the Meat Eater podcast in general. Every week it's a different cast of characters. You guys have great guests on. Um, I would like to make one request that you and Yanni are no longer together because you guys have a voice that like it's very audibly similar. It's hard to tell you guys apart. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. I Don't tell me I'm the first one that ever said that. Yeah, I think so. Really? Or the I've, first I've ever heard of it, yeah. Yeah, I, I think... But I, I can definitely see what you're saying, too. It, it's not so much like the actual voice, but it's your speaking rhythm. that It's it's very similar. Hey, Cal, have I heard you... I think I heard you reference in some, some of your media that you've only shot one animal, or maybe one big game animal, on television. Is that true? Oh... Well, I shot that goat this year. Okay. Or last last year. It might have, uh, in Hawaii. It might have been some dated content. I maybe it was uh that interview with Ben O'Brien on the Hunting Collective episode two. Yeah. I, I did you say that you've oh, only shot one mule deer? I shot deer? a mule deer uh-huh. too. You know. But is that a thing of yours that you've only like, like I don't know if it's, um, in like preservation of of some values or something, but that shooting, you know, like killing an animal on TV, does that conflict with the value or is there anything to that? Or am I reading into something that's not there? Oh, you know, I, I would definitely say I'm not gung ho in any way, shape or form to show off, you know? Uh huh. Um, I certainly didn't think that uh, my life would ever lead to being in front of a camera. Uh, also, but at the same time, there's, I think like the other piece of the puzzle here is, is like, I grew up guiding everything, you know, hunting, fishing, whitewater, whatever. Um, and it just, you're always facilitating somebody else's pursuit. Mm -hmm. And I think that has certainly like taken some of the edge off of my my need to go out there and and snap a cap you know yeah um but i will tell you there is there's no i'll I'll tell you one story that probably nobody's ever heard right we were uh working on a show i was i was uh originally going to be guiding but we made the decision to not have me guide so i could i could hunt this is up in british columbia and uh my guide buddy up there he had spotted this huge black bear Mm -hmm. and he came back and grabbed me and was like and i was like cool where is it he's like no no no, i'll just take you there so we take off and we get really close and i can hear the bear and like the smart thing to do would be to like just sit there and eventually the bear is gonna uh expose himself in the wrong way. But at that point in time, I had not seen the bear. I had not been able to 
like participate in my own hunt. Right. I didn't know where the bear was. Right. I didn't know how to get there. So I couldn't plan the route. You were just I put on it. Strategize the stock. Right. And I basically got like reduced to someone who's just there to pull the trigger. Yeah, you're trigger man. Yeah. And I, uh, I had kind of mentally made up my mind that I'm like, I don't care how big this bear is. I'm not going to shoot it because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not up here just, just to pull the trigger. I came up here to hunt. Right. And, uh, so to kind of force the situation, instead of being patient and sitting there, I just kind of like walked in there on the bear and, and he disappeared. So uh, <laughs> took, took me out of the situ- situation. Uh-huh. So. I mean, tying in with shooting animals on camera, do you guys deal with a significant amount of kickback from activist agencies and, you know, you know, protection? You know, I think that stuff kind of comes and goes. Like you become the target du jour, but we really don't. That's good. That's really don't. Yeah. Um, and, And that's not like a strategy or anything, but. Well, if so I can much of what in. we do is is really story oriented, and like for instance, uh, this shoot that I was on in in Florida, really, we're down there hunting turkeys in order to talk about fire and ecology, and the use of of fire as a management tool, um, and so a. A turkey, you know, came into my terrible calling the first morning. <laughs> and we got lots of parts of that footage, but we didn't get the kill shot. And it's always better to get like more footage than less, but at the same time, there was no mis the footage that we did get, there's no mistaking the fact that you are there turkey hunting. And we didn't need to go out and, and uh, find find the perfect stupid turkey to come into my, into my bad calling and get shot on camera, right? Because really the, the story is about fire. The bird was just a vehicle to get there. And we captured enough of it to put people in that spot. And, and hopefully, eventually when it comes out... Um, the knowing that your turkey hunting is going to be as important building block of the story as seeing a turkey die on camera. Yeah. I, I mean, I really think that's what you guys have done is you've, you've bridged that gap between, you know, that's, you know, I'm sure the hunting industry and, and in media get some kickback, but I think you've bridged that gap as, as far as your authentic approach of the storytelling, the philosophy, you know, the, you know, even the poetry of it, that, that, um, the approach that you guys have taken, I'm sure it's at least deflected some of what, what could be, what could be kickback in, in our social media world and day and age. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird, I mean, the reality is, is like, if you're, and the fishing's the same way, right? It's like, People love big fish, right? People love big bucks. 
uh, and you, the more of that stuff you show, the more, more likes you get. But the, my point of being here is not to be popular. My point is to educate, you know, as, as much as possible. And, and I think that's like the, the value of the platform, right? Um, I don't, I don't need people recognize me at the grocery store or at the gas pump. Uh, I need people to call their elected officials and hold them accountable on all these things that we hold near and dear, right? Like the ability to hunt and fish and, and grow good habitat and mm-hmm. hopefully keep some of these damn condos from building right on top of our trout streams right and that's something that you seem to take a lot of pride in on cal's weekend review of actually giving phone numbers for people to call to to try to make their voice be heard well yeah and you know it it doesn't need to be a militant thing i think it just needs to be something that people do i that's that's the way in reality, our, our system was set up, right? These, these people are there to represent you. And there's a lot of other people in your district. So in order for them to know what you want, you got to be engaged. So going back one topic that we were talking about, where you said that you didn't really see yourself being in front of the camera as like a goal. Um, Recently, you guys had Steve's brother, Matt, on the podcast, and he brought up some some topics about not doing social media. Is that ever thought, or has that thought ever crossed your mind to, to join Matt in that, that regard? Oh, you know, like I started social media because I'm not sure if, if you guys have uh, big families and sisters and all that right but my mom was like this is how i keep track of your sisters um and if if you look at social media from that perspective it's a great thing it's very efficient right keep tabs on your family and your friends right um and then i think there's a whole host of positive things like it can be very educational uh it can connect people with profound moments that they weren't in the right spot at the right time to connect with and you know i think it's it's invaluable stuff for those moments and those things but um i mean there's absolutely no question that this influence can be used in very negative ways and you know i think every single person out there has a certain level of addictive personality so i i think like anything out there be aware of it use it if you want but have a set amount of time to expose yourself to this stuff. And if you're not getting like actual benefit enjoyment out of it, then, then it needs to go away. That's definitely my like fish it, porn time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, I love, I love it for the fish porn. 
<laughs> Wife walks in. I'm like, taking a poop, looking up fish porn. All right, leave me alone, lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like art- articulated streamer tied out of something I haven't even heard of. And the proof's in the pudding. Look at the hook jaw on that brown trout. Mm. <laughs> exactly. I think social media booked my ticket to Florida for next week. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Cape Coral uh, to visit a, a past guest of the podcast to go chase tarpon. I love big fish, man. <laughs> so. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's it, it's all the things, right? You Like, you watch somebody – duff a hook set and you're like oh my god like it it makes your 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 brain go crazy because you want to be there so bad to do better right? <laughs> um and i think that's a, a perfectly appropriate response uh, but the you know trashing other folks online stuff like that is is like just an unfortunate outlet and byproduct of social media you know so so i i want to get into one other thing with you um pennsylvania doesn't have much legislation going on in the hunting and fishing world at the current moment but they do have or they're they're trying to to open up more sundays for hunting right so right and and you got a couple of them. Yeah, but right out of this past legislative session, I, I believe. But Cal, I am a firm uh, disbeliever in Sunday hunting. <laughs> I hate that. You I, don't I, I like. Don't, it. Let, let, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Yep. I hate it because I'm not a hunter, but I like. I enjoy the outdoors. I don't like going and disrupting under other people's hunts. I like taking my dog out. I like taking the boy out. And we hoot and holler and have fun in the woods. And I, Sunday, yep. Sunday is the one day a week that I can do that and not worry about other people and uh, disrupting their hunt. Yep. I know, I know yep. everyone sitting around, yeah. everyone sitting around this table is in firm disagreement with me. I want you to try to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I? That's a totally valid. Like if if you were saying, I don't like it, and therefore it shouldn't exist then I would disagree with you. You have a very valid point. Those woods are your woods as much as everybody else's. Thank you, Public Cal. land, right? <laughs> land of many uses. You, you, you can have that perspective. I think I think that's great. You're still getting outside and doing it. Um, that would be the other thing. If you didn't like it and you never uh, left the confines of your home, then I would have a grounds to argue with you but um no man don't you don't have to like it that's that's fine i i i like uh giving people the option this is not how i expected it to go i thought you know what for me as a non-hunter i'm gonna agree because it would take more people off the water and put them in the woods so i mean if i'm gonna agree that the three of us around here would uh, you know because yeah i mean as a non-hunter it doesn't matter to me but it would put more people hunting, so I would like to see the Sunday hunting, but that's a very illegitimate reason. I just think, you know, <laughs> if it, I'm a guy who works, you know, 9 to 5, you know, Monday through Friday, not much time to hunt after work, and I have two days to hunt, so now I only have one day to hunt, really, you know what I mean? So I have Saturday. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, if I could have Sunday to 
and I fish a lot on Sundays. Doubles, just because, doubles your hunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gets me two days out. So that, that yeah. I, I even think the first two which days is a huge buck season, deal. Yeah, the first two twice days, as much. Yeah, the first two days we get in buck season is really nice because you yeah. could come through and fit, hunt like you know three days in a row, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and it's you know even Tuesday I'll take off and hunt too usually, but mm-hmm. that's nice. To, I I don't know. I like to have at least that Sunday. That's that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I oh, think. No, I and and that that is why Sunday hunting is is important, right? I mean, it's it's not for the people who hunt six days out of the week. It's for the people who only get one day out of the week to hunt, in my opinion, right? Obviously, it'll be there for everybody, but. My my personal opinion is yes, you should have the option to hunt on Sunday if if you so choose. Um, however, that doesn't mean that uh, my opinion is much much better than the opinion of I want to go out and enjoy the woods on an official non-hunting day in the fall, so as to limit any sort of impact on someone someone else's rec, uh, recreation. I think that, that that's a hard, hard argument to uh, go against. It's very respectful. And, and, well, thank you. And I'm asking this because I'm naive on it. Is is Sunday hunting because of like what you said there something that has always been instilled for years, or is Sunday hunting something that's being turned in states? Because like you said, it's all opinion oriented. There's no sheer like fact to anything there. So is this something that's easy to overturn, or is this something that's always been in place? Yeah. They call it a blue, well, blue law. Nothing is necessarily easy at this point. There, there's some biological arguments, which is like, okay, so now you're going to have the entire hunting population putting this much more pressure on. The math says that there's going to be this much more take on the landscape because of those three extra days during the season. Um, what, what's the long-term impact of that? would be an argument. Gotcha. Um, yep. Well, like Adam was saying, it's yeah, it's a blue law. The blue laws, you can't sell a car on Sunday yeah. because of the blue laws. It's the same thing, and you understand that because you're yep. a car salesman. Yeah. Yep. Hunting yep. goes right yep. along with them blue laws that have yep. been around for ages and ages and ages. They just don't change those laws. I know? didn't realize, yeah, that's why I said I'm naive to yeah, it that yeah. it actually yeah. is yep. a blue that's law. That's what it yeah. is, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. No, that makes Quaker. sense. Quaker. So State. I guess back yep. to that question, though. Has there been states recently that have overturned? Most states you can, uh, yeah. Most it, but, but, you, but have they been set for years, or have they overturned it recent? Well, Maine's we, tried a few different times. They have not been successful in overturning. I want to say North Carolina just got some Sunday hunting this year. Okay, because I know like Ohio always has since you know that I've got just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. They do we know or not? Those guys are heathens. <laughs> well, this this is a fishing their, their podcast. A lot different though <laughs> yeah. than ours. Yeah, I think I think Pennsylvania's moving in the right direction, you know, based on my opinion, not Chad's. But I I did I read that this year I think they said that the committee met in April and September and the April meeting often determined the upcoming regulations for whatever reason there weren't enough committee members present in April. So I don't know if this is, you know, if they're blaming COVID reasons, post-COVID reasons, whatever. But enough members weren't present so that they're just keeping the same rules and laws and schedule 
from 21 into into 2022. So I think we're having the same hunting uh, Sunday hunts for 2022, which would be uh, three consecutive Sundays, archery deer, black bear, rifle deer, three in a row. And then uh, in North Carolina, according to NorthCarolinaWildlife.org, since 1868, hunting on Sundays has been prohibited by state law. Hmm. However, in 2015, the Outdoor Heritage Act was passed, removing the absolute prohibition on hunting with firearms on Sunday in North Carolina, which leads me to believe that then it would be up to um, the Game Commission maybe even town, certain townships to then regulate whether or not Sunday hunting would be allowed. And in 2017, um, that actually went into effect. So, on, and then there's a, a further one that says on state game lands, um, hunting is legal seven days per week during open season. Yeah, some I think some states have gone public versus private for regulation with that, huh? And, and speaking of that, how much of your time is devoted to looking at regulations in different states? Because your job, like you said, you just were in Florida turkey hunting. How much of your time do you spend looking at different states' regulations to make sure that you're in check with everything? Oh, tons. tons <laughs> All of tons it. Tons of time. And... and uh, I mean, there's, there's great information there because there's all sorts of little subtle differences. Um, for instance, you, we were fishing on Devil's Lake, North Dakota this year. Um, and there's a rest, it's a reciprocity state. So it says in the regulations, in order to spear fish through the ice, you have to be from a state that also allows non-residents to spearfish through the ice. <laughs> I don't even get that. What? I don't understand. Yeah, and so it, it's it's a reciprocity state. So, so you have to be from Minnesota to spearfish. Sorry, fish. what? I said, so you have to be from Minnesota to spearfish because they allow it, correct? Yes, and... Okay, so let's say, like... Montana allows non-residents to spearfish through the ice. So I can go to North Dakota and spearfish through the ice, properly licensed. But if Montana, if Montana changed the regulations and we said that non-residents could no longer spearfish through the ice, I could no longer travel to the state of North Dakota and spearfish through the ice. Hmm. I could go over there and, and do your regular old ice angling, but I couldn't drop a spear on a big old pike through the ice. And spear fishing. Do you enjoy doing that? How is that compared to regular ice angling? Because uh, in Pennsylvania, we're not allowed to. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I, I think it, it's just a different game. It's it's you know you're in shallow water and it's 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 fun like watching that glowing ice hole and seeing what's <laughs> going to come through. Um, I, you know, I think with, with a lot of folks, the ice, ice fishing game 
can be taxing and it's sure nice to, to hit it on the head when there's a day with a lot of action, you know? Absolutely. That's but, why our yeah. normal uh, co-host Jace, we let him go out and find the fish and then we'll piggyback one or two times a year. <laughs> Great way to do it. That's it, man. <laughs> Great way to do it. Yeah. So Cal, uh, you're over COVID. You kept mentioning that your grandma still goes out and enjoys fly fishing. Is she still out fly fishing? Uh, no. <laughs> that's, that's my job is I got to get her out. I mean, she's, you know, an old Scandinavian lady and just loves fish in general. And I have got to get her on a walleye boat this summer and, and get her to, to haul in a walleye. That would be like the, the ultimate thing. Um, getting her out I, or fly fishing was, I mean, just, yeah, you, you can instantly see like where my mom gets her sense of competition. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the lady was like sneakily turning down the oxygen flow on her oxygen tank. <laughs> so she could try to, try to stay out there longer. So is that why yeah. you're gonna, is that why you're taking her walleye fishing? Cause they don't really put up that much of a fight. Well, you know, there's <laughs> just like a little bit Breathing. of mobility issues. Yeah, I know. Um, just making a joke. <laughs> no, it, yeah. it really, it's, it's any fish. I mean, she's, she's totally game to go throw flies and I'll tell you, it's just shocking how fast a 90 some year old lady can fly fish because they, she listened to every, listen to everything you say. No. And you'd be like, Oh my God, have you never done this before? Or I'd, you know, be like, have you been doing this before? She's like, no, I'm just listening. <laughs> you know, she's like, you're, when you're this old, you got to listen. I wish Jay would like, do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old yet. Uh, how far do you have to travel to get to walleye? Are they are they there in Montana, or do you have to go any distance? Yeah, it's interesting. Way, way, way more so than when I was a kid. Like Montana is like creepily becoming a, a real uh, warm water fishery state. Like people really celebrate the walleye, and there's uh, some places where you can get crappie and definitely perch. Um, and you know, there's there's spots in the state too that have like phenomenal uh, largemouth and pike and and small uh, smallmouth fishing. Um, next to her, she's in Billings, and so I think like going down uh, on Yellowtail Reservoir would be uh, be our best move. So since we're on the walleye kick. Did I re- remember correctly last year you said you shot a walleye with a spear gun? Yeah. Um, as far as I'm concerned, that's the only way to fish for walleye. That's like <laughs> the most fun. Um, exercise, it's challenging, and uh, they're they're pretty darn tough fish. You know, I, I use, if anybody's interested, you know, like the Hawaiian sling, the three prong. Uh-huh. is 
shockingly undergunned for walleye. You get walleye have really hard heads, and if you're a head shooter, um, you can you can bounce a, even a stiff three prong off a walleye's head. So how do you compare uh, the freshwater walleye spear fishing to when you when you do go out to Hawaii or uh, SoCal spearing uh, stripers, like in your latest episode of Cow in the Field? Um, how how does the freshwater warm water game compare to the other spear fishing? It's practice, like it's it's just practice. Um, it, it's very fun but you can't compare it to like diving in Alaska or Hawaii or California um, because your visibility is nowhere near as good. And certainly like in Montana where it's legal to spearfish game species, they're all impoundments of some sort, right? So uh, dams and they're full of silt so like you're you're diving mud for the most part. Yeah, you're you'll be lucky to get four foot of viz, right? Yeah, and and when it's bad, like I dove last year and and was uh, diving on. We had some fish marked on this spot, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna dive down there and check it out. And I'm diving and swimming away, and all of a sudden I just like totally plant the tip of my spear, my head, everything like in the mud. <laughs> and it's like this, you know, Eastern Montana clay where there's like a sp- slight split second of panic of having your head stuck in the mud. <laughs> and there is no visual change between, you know, being high in the water column and being with your head stuck in the mud. So, you know, you're not going to not going to kill anything on days like that. Uh, we we feel your pain on that. That's kind of how most of our waterways are around here. Yeah. Um, so the, finding that structure, you know, where the light can get down and you have some some reference is is really important in, in murky water. And then it's just like you just you're not moving. Right. Like be confident like i'm gonna spend a half an hour diving this rock pile and hopefully something is going to get curious enough if i'm still and chill enough on the bottom that it's going to try to come up and take a look at me huh well that's one way to do it (laughs) yeah so hey cal we've had you on the phone for an hour do you have time for one more subject yeah, 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 for sure. So the meat eater has definitely influenced me. I have family just north on the Del- Delmarva Peninsula from where you guys were, were sick of deer hunting. I took three days vacation last year and went and did it for the first time. Oh, my God, it was the most fun I could have with my pants on. <laughs> oh, that place is magical, man. I I love it. I would love to get back there. I've been going there since I was four years old, once a year, every year, go eat blue crabs till my toes hurt with gout. And, uh, this was the first time I actually sat in a blind and got to see some sick of deer. It was so much fun. That is awesome. I end up, that is awesome. Yeah. It just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hearing those things run through that marsh, uh, where you never get to see them. You just hear their, their little, little hoofs 
splashing in the water. It's it's a cool, cool place. So I was hunting on ground blinds in the very last day that I was down there. I could hear the hooves and then and I could hear the the sick of deer like breathing. They were so close. It was the creepiest thing, but it was so cool. That is awesome. I went down. That is awesome. Yeah. I went down the same time you guys did with the, uh, the muzzleloader season. So in the stripe, the striper were off the chain that time of year. Uh, I tried doing snakeheads also, but they, uh, the, the tides were goofy. We were going to shoot them with bows and arrows. And the tides were backwards for night fishing, so we couldn't couldn't get out for the snakehead slaying. Man, I I have got it. I'm gonna hound old Sir Melly and, and link up with him and fish snakeheads one of these days. It's it's something I desperately want to do. And and when we were down there, we ate a bunch of snakehead. And uh, yeah, it's like very firm. We ate it fried, of course, and it's just delicious, man. It is delicious, great fish. So, um, is there anything that we haven't hit on that that you think we should, Cal? Well, um, we got nothing but time. Oh, we got nothing but time. We're just. Uh, <laughs> We're just hanging out drinking beers, beer, man. <laughs> I was thinking about Joe oh, Rogan's jealous. podcast jealous going like be off the beer. <laughs> um, given uh, went went to a doctor for the first time in my adult life in like a non-emergency room situation, <laughs> and and she said that uh, due to like my uh, joint swelling and stuff like that, I may want to try going off of gluten for a month. Mm-hmm. and just see if there's a change. And so, yeah. of course, I thought that was like total whatever BS. I got a gut of steel. Don't care. Uh, and unfortunately, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's, there's a difference there. Yeah, Cal. So actually, I'm I'm a physical therapist, and my wife, she's been gluten-free for probably 15 years. And I, you know, I've, I've dabble in like just trying to eat the best that I can. That's actually the reason I got back into hunting in my adult. I grew up hunting as a 12 year old, you know, and a, and a young teenager. And then I went to school in a city and didn't really hunt for several years and got back into it when I was really, like really dedicated to my diet and my food sourcing. And so... Anyway, my wife's been gluten-free for 15 years. Right now, I'm drinking a gluten-free beer, so I'll give a little plug to Lakefront Brewing, Lakefront Brewery out of Wisconsin that do... Uh... Yeah, that's in Milwaukee, right? Yeah. Yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I was working in uh, Milwaukee years ago, and we swung in and took the Lakefront Brewery tour. Yeah, there you go. Fantastic tour. Yeah, they yeah. do a really nice, just a, a Pilsner-style gluten-free. It's called a New Grist. It's like all, you know, rice and whatever sorghum but it's good beer i'm drinking it right now but i'm you know i'm on board with you know we don't we don't really eat grains in my house just try to do a lot of meat and some vegetables and fruit how old are you if you don't mind me asking i'm gonna hit 
40 in November. Ah, man. Okay. Yeah. It's just to say, I, I feel like it might, man, our age, man, because my stomach's been all messed up. They're like, oh, yeah, you can't eat this and, and such and such and such. And then I stop eating this kind of food, and I'm like, that feels pretty good. So it must be. I know. It's <laughs> and just Jeff gluten, but freaking it's, sad, man. And it sucks. Man. <laughs> like, ah, oh, it's not, nothing's supposed to affect no. me. Yeah. No, 40's the new 30, right? Yeah, dude, yeah, we thought <laughs> yeah. so. These are falling apart. Uh, I will, I will uh, tell you because you brought up stripers too. Uh, uh-huh. So right now, the um, pod or the YouTube series that I put together that links to my podcast, right? Like the whole idea is to cover topics on the show and then see cover topics on the podcast, see what folks correspond with like the most on like the most emails comments stuff like that and then go do a a youtube video of like a little more in-depth or first-hand look at that topic and uh filmed an episode on uh chinook salmon and stripers in the sacramento river yeah, that just came out last Wednesday, didn't it? Yep, yep. Um, it was interesting, too, because, uh, you know, what kind of started me down that path of, of spending some more time in California in the, in the Sacramento Valley was uh, a, a series of articles on restoring salmon in the Sacramento and it was like very, very anti-striper. And then I got down there and started talking to a bunch of folks and, and going around and and, uh, and meeting up with like truly random people, like old guys on the bank fishing with with poles in the mud, and and then folks who are supposed to be like really into the the salmon game, really into the striper game, and. And it just like a totally different picture came to light when I got down there. And, and that striper is just like it is on the East coast, like a seriously loved fish. And it's like a very accessible fish for a ton of people. And like the idea, and so I dove on, on that episode too, the idea of ever, like even if you wanted to ever being able to remove that fish from that system is just like asinine and, and absurd. It would never, ever happen. It's a fallacy at the moment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then the reality is too, like without having to look very deep at all, it's like the state of California regulates the catch. It's not a come kill every striper you can situation. Yeah. It's kind of kind of bass backwards, you would think. Well, it is, and the thing that didn't make the show because the guy got freaking COVID. <laughs> uh, but there's, um, you know, a, a state striper biologist who specializes in, in all things striper and and. Um, it's got like very strong evidence to suggest that, yeah, the, the striper shouldn't be there. It's definitely suppressed a lot of species, but 
some of those species were as serious uh, salmon predators as the stripers are now. So, you know, you used to get three, four foot long pike minnow in the Sacramento that uh, were, you know, pike minnow anywhere. They're a voracious pisivore. Yeah. And uh, they're like, there used to be just possibly the, the same amount, if not more, pike minnow in the system eating a lot of salmon. And it, it really just kind of came back to the fact that the salmon are really in trouble because of the reason that salmon are in, salmon are in trouble everywhere, right? It's it's that. Dams and warm water, Water right? quality and flow, yep. And, and dams are just real, real hard on salmon. So, can so I... anyway, I was asking, uh, it was my long-winded way of asking you guys, on the fishing podcast. Yeah. What, what you think of that? I I think you're 100% right. The, uh, the dams are the, the main reason that the salmon are in peril, but stripers are there. Let's go catch them, man. Let's have fun with them. Let's uh, turn them into a tourist trap and uh, bring money to the economy by promoting the stripers because they're more, uh, more prevalent and easier to catch. Correct. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, considering like what you have to do to, to you know, get a Chinook to, to grab something, especially on, on years where there's not a ton of uh, fish swimming in the system, you know, if you're just there to catch fish, you like you're going to catch striper. Yeah, man, throw clousers at them. Yeah, but we can't, <laughs> we, I don't know that we can sugarcoat little things in the long run, though, for our ecosystem like we have for years. You know, I mean, I know you can't completely eradicate them, but you can make an effort to reduce them, though, too. You know, and start by and, and start by the state eliminating regulations. I mean, it's little things that have a big implication that aren't being taken serious. It kind of, you know, something like a limit. If it's fishes shouldn't be there, you know, at least you can have some sort of attempt to reduce it a little bit by taking a limit away. Yeah, and I think you know predator management in general is is this way right like predators are supposed to be there where they're not where they're where they're going to hurt that prey population is when your prey population is at the bottom of its cycle and the predator population is at the top of its cycle and it's when we're talking about these threatened and endangered species that's when it's the most appropriate to have serious predator suppression going on, right? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I worked on uh, an episode on Cascade Lake in Idaho, and and their main predator in that lake was uh, the, the pike minnow, which is a native species, but they found that it was overabundant and the, the prey species, which is, you know, of course, the, the stuff that folks want to eat, were uh, seriously suppressed. And they, they found some really interesting methods, um, many of which were non-lethal in order to suppress the pike minnow from spawning. That, 
then allowed for the restocking efforts of the the prey species, but also the game fish species to to take hold and become sustainable. Hmm. That that's so, interesting. That's like the mosquitoes basically that they make all male. Yeah. Now like on that situation in in an ecosystem, was there something that would have been, you know, prey you know, or that would have preyed on the pike minnow? How did it, you know, in, in a normal scenario that regulates itself, how does it get to that point? Well, I think, it, I think because the, the pike minnow is able to survive in a wider range of water quality conditions than uh, the prey species that they, they wanted to propagate in there, and so, you know, at the same time where there was this overabundant predator population, the pike minnow, there were also some water quality issues going on there that. Um, mm, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that definitely. It was prohibiting um, the prey then from getting to what its potential was essentially. Yeah. Yep. yep exactly. No, I mean, it's, exactly. we had many years, you know, through, I guess, what, 50s, 60s, 70s, where, I mean, these dams were put up to, you know, kind of make money, and now it's all coming back full that, you know, a lot of them aren't even in operation anymore. They're costing taxpayers millions of dollars just to have them there, just to the upkeep. But, I mean, yeah, some of them are still producing electric, and, you know, you have that, but as a whole, I mean, it's, I think we're now starting to see the damage that it's done to, you know, a lot of different species statewide from the east coast to west coast but especially out west like you're saying yeah 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 i i always just kind of thought like if somebody really wanted to take it serious there there'd be like another round of public works like great public works that uh we'd be able to like chisel out a new new road around a dam and uh allow allowed salmon and steelhead to spawn up those things well they've kind of allowed it to take the easy route by just allowing them to grow them and put them in you know instead of you know trying to fix the situation they've just been farm raised or kind of duplicated at that point or replaced or something of that sort mass produced yes yeah um and it's interesting too because if you're brought up on hatchery fish and if you have then like built either your persona or um your business around hatchery fish you you definitely develop the attitude of like we just need more hatchery fish yeah, like at this point, like nature's not going to figure it out. You're talking dudes from Erie, or, uh, just south of Erie, Pennsylvania. We love our hatchery fish. Steelhead, steelhead <laughs> central here. You know, well, and that's we, what. Yeah, we don't fish them, but that's what spring trout season is in Pennsylvania. Is the all right? They're stocking the creeks, boys. Let's get out. <laughs> you know, sure. But but that's kind of the mentality on this side of the country, with with stock fish. I, uh, I chased a lady out there years ago to Vermont and I was over uh, fishing on the New Hampshire side of things. And, and uh, a friend of mine from, from out here, his brother actually had the fly shop in Hanover with uh, New Hampshire, uh, which was a funny twist of events. Um, <laughs> so I used to go bug those 
folks all the time. And, and I, the went and fished like part of this, like smelt run, I think is what it was. And, and, uh, was, was catching some fish and there were some other folks down there fishing. And, uh, about the time I released my second trout, this guy came up <laughs> and you could tell he was not saying exactly what he wanted to say, <laughs> but he did say, Hey, if you wouldn't mind the next trout you get, he's like, I will take, <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't put it back in the river. Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> These are for keeping. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty fun. I was like, oh, all right, that's fine by me. So, um, speaking speaking of chasing ladies, how big of a chick magnet is Snort? Listen, I I hate (laughs) to break uh, break a lot of uh, fantasies here, but you know the audience is overwhelmingly male. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and we attract a lot of male attention. I was gonna say, how big of a how, how big of a dude magnet is Snort? <laughs> serious, serious, serious magnet. You got a really sure. cute dog, man. <laughs> we we talk a lot of dogs on the road. That's for sure. <laughs> so Ryan, I have an oak tree that I need to cut down. What should I use? Oh, what's your diameter? Oh, it's a big one. I was, I was just kind of... Is it? I was just kind of prodding for a steel plug. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, yeah, plug, I, I got a big me. project me, in the works with the folks at Steel, and, like a big conservation project. Um, and, and, you know, that company is in... Uh, just like a lot of a lot of manufacturers right now, it's like it's a, everything's a nightmare Yeah. Uh, to ship things where they need to go and get things in on time and supply chain and all that stuff. And, and I can't say enough good things about steel. Like they're bending over backwards to, you know, make a good conservation thing happen. And, and they could be just flat out making money elsewhere instead of dealing with me. So, <laughs> so we're friends with the local steel steel dealer around here. When are we going to get giant cow cutouts, cardboard cow cutouts? In the steel dealer. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's what's always so funny to me. Man. I I, uh, I have no idea. Like, I get some feedback from um, th- this guy Seth Reed. He's based out at uh, Denver, which is like the western, uh, like Point City, I guess. Big and has like steel dis- distribution center out, out there. And, uh, you know, he's, he's always real positive. Other than that, you know, I, I have no clue what like the actual, cause they're all independent dealers, right? Steel is all independent dealers. And, uh, so it is like a funny thing. Like the only way that you can purchase a, a chainsaw is you got to go to one, one of the independent dealers with the old orange steel sign on there. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I just, I, I do not have a clue if any of these folks are even even aware of who I am. But so I, I would say the cardboard cutout would would certainly make my buddies who uh 
do a lot of serious timber cutting for a living. Roll their eyes. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Cal. Since Chad's going the direction here of plugs and name drops, do you have a uh, do you have any good Joe Rogan stories? What's it like hanging out with him? <laughs> uh, uh, Joe is uh, he's he's a funny dude. He's a wickedly smart dude. Funny dude. Happy to call him a friend. Yeah. Uh, and we got a the new comedy club and we went down to do some interviews for the mediator podcast. We went down and, and, uh, or Joe came over and we met for dinner over at, uh, everybody, Jeff, Jesse Griffiths place, uh, Die Dewey in, uh, Austin there. And we had an awesome meal and caught up and, and tell you what, dude, that guy is a full fledged freedom loving Texan these days. <laughs> 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 no more man show in his blood. Oh, it's so funny. He is, yeah. He like, he's home. Yeah, that's good. No, he's a vengeance. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty, pretty good. Is uh, is there anything that we we missed? Is is hanging out with Joe more fun than hanging out with Sweaty Teddy? Like, like <laughs> that. That's how you and me like touched up. Got together because I, I messaged you about Ted Nugent. He seemed like yeah. like a dude that I would hang out with, but he was talking over you during the podcast. And but he can shred a guitar, man. Uh, <laughs> the Great White Buffalo is one of my favorite songs. Um, <laughs> oh, like high school uh, gym, you know? Yeah, like man. High school weightlifting. Right? It was like there's a lot of Ted Nugent in that room. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Teddy Nuggets, wow, what a! Yeah, I'll tell you this much: the man says everything with conviction, like an absolute zealot for everything that comes out of his own mouth. Is I think very aware of his own contradictions, but also says those with absolute conviction (laughs) and is just an just an incredible host too like a gracious host like we we could have sat there all day and i'm sure he like he just would have like rolled out dinner for us at some point um and just it's just so I always say when I go to Texas, there's there's a lot that I uh, that doesn't phase me, and there's always a few things that really really stand out. And uh, yeah, Ted's like willingness to just like grab a guitar and be like, "Oh yeah, you want to hear this one? Check this out." So he did that. It's amazing. You guys sat down it's and he, he played some licks for you. Oh yeah, like basically like unprompted. He's like, "Yeah, I love this song. You guys got to hear this." Sweet. I saw you know? I saw Ted Nugent oh, in concert yes. when I was like 17 years old. It was the most fun I've ever seen at a show. Just, oh, yeah. And you know, he's got this, this is something, you know, it's like very hard to come through on the podcast, right? But like he says in 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 the podcast like why 
he did things on stage, you know, and it was for maximum, maximum effect for Mm -hmm. rock and roll. Like that's why he was coming up with the antics. Right. And I, I certainly came to the conclusion that, that that's why a lot of things come out of, out of his mouth too for maximum effect. Um, we, uh, absolutely do not agree on a lot of things. Um, but I'd, I'd be totally happy to hang out with the guy again. I'll tell you that much. Like, absolutely. Speaking of, I laugh my ass off for like that, that podcast was like four hours long. (laughs) We sat there forever and I laughed my, my face hurt by the time I got out of there. (laughs) So Steve was talking about seeing him in shooting a Buffalo with a flaming arrow. When when I saw him, he shot a picture of uh, Al Sharpton with a flaming arrow. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, I think I remember that. It was at Yankee Lake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, just the antics and he knowing his crowd. Oh man! But yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. It, it's it's an amazing. Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it's it's just it's a strange world, fellas. I guess is what I'm <laughs> we can do all, what makes you happy. We can all agree on that. So, man, hey, if you're ever in Western Pennsylvania, do not hesitate to hit us up. We were we'll take you hunting, we'll take you mushroom hunting, and uh, fishing, sit you in a, fishing, sit you in a drift boat all day long, man. Yeah, this is a fishing podcast. I'm about 1% of the fishermen that the rest of these guys are, but I'm sure they'd love to take you <laughs> out on a drift boat. And you got an open invitation for Elk County, Pennsylvania, too, for squirrel hunting, turkey hunting, deer hunting with a bow. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I oh, I, uh, I got some serious wanderlust in me, so I'll make it out there. All right, buddy. Sounds good. Only if you bring the dog. That's that's the one rule. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> my my pooch needs a playmate. Oh yeah, man. No, I'm gonna go full old man antics here pretty quick. I'm gonna find a uh, a bigger truck that's capable of doing some real towing, and and uh, I'm gonna put several several hundred thousand miles on that thing, <laughs> and uh, hit up the whole whole country dog in hand hell yeah man that sounds like a game plan so hey yeah. cal where where can people go check you out at where can uh, people listen to the podcast and see see everything that is cal well yeah so right now uh we'll be dropping the the last episode of this season of cal in the field on the meat eater youtube channel um the podcast is cal's week in review try to Tried to aggregate and all that fun outdoor news and things that affect uh, the conservation minded and, and the freeloaders as well on in one twenty or so minute podcast and uh, on on the Instagram at full cal o l c a l four oh six. All righty, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for dedicating uh, an hour and a half to us. You know, degenerate anglers, as the meat eater would say. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much for the invite, and let me know if there's anything you need on my end. As soon as I find where they lay, tied off them jolly and leaving mines on a long, hot summer day. And for every day I'm working on the Illinois River, get a half a day. We gotta leave this up a little bit louder. Dude, okay, the last time I heard this, uh, Tim and I were singing it in a duet. A karaoke last Friday after poker was over. We were drunk enough to start singing karaoke with Shane, dude. Oh, we were fucking, we were, we were killing it. Little turnpike troubadours, man. Oh, we were fucking killing it out there. I'm like, Shane, play this shit. Tim at a karaoke bar. He, he's good. Yeah, he is he's good. good. He is good. Yeah. yeah. I heard a new neighbor showed up too for a uh, for a little bit. Johnny. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, man. John was there. And you said Adam was there. Yeah, we had a good turnout. He, you said Adam still hates you. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Adam and I are like oil in fucking water. Yeah, <laughs> we are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> it's just something about me and Adam. It's like we have to just like just pick if I'm each sitting other. next to him. I just have to poke him, do something to fuck with them. Yeah. It's are those right. boys coming back tomorrow night? Uh, Adam said he was probably coming back. Yeah, All we right. should have a, we should have a decent table going. I am not. Is your pops coming? I think he'll come, yeah. Cool. My wife has to go to her sister's to help cook, bake cookies or something. Because. So what the fuck's that mean? Yeah, you have Nolan, to go too, or the boys like, play on the other yeah, room. Yeah, you're, you're. Bring the kid. I'm out. I don't play poker. Bitch. Whatever. You can play <laughs> pool. My dad would rather sit and play pool with you. We'll There's see. a nice ass pool table, too. Yeah. It's like it's like being at a speakeasy. That's a bar. A dude. bar that. It's like a bar that you don't have to, like, you know, deal with everybody else that you don't know. We'll see. It's wonderful. I don't know. We'll see. I didn't last. Whatever, <laughs> douchebag. That, that is a definite no. Yeah, yeah. whatever, douche. <laughs> I didn't last week, but I think I'm going to start smoking indoors, smoking the stogie indoors this week. So. You can. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I won't do that. You can do what you need to do. You're not going to offend me. I'm just saying. If you're smoking a stogie, I'm smoking weed next to you. So, <laughs> Man, come on, let's get real. So, has anyone caught up? We talked about Mark and uh, Macy catching brook trout. Has anyone else caught any fish this year recently? Well, I mean, I uh, are you counting me going out and having a killing on first day of trout that we haven't talked about? I mean, there I go. used a spinning rod, and but I <laughs> beat the living fucking shit out of him with the spinner. I mean, I, I laid into him. Ask your boy over here. Yeah. I had to fucking give myself a five-minute break because my hands were so wet and cold. I, ha- I was like freezing to death about to get fucking frostbite. Yeah. I had to stop, and your dad's just looking at me with, yep. a, with, a, with, a, with a, <laughs> just, just an amazement. It was about 8.03, maybe 8.02. Jay had his first fish in. I had my first fish in. Uh, I think it was my second cast. I had my first fish in about 10 seconds after you. I caught one more on the day. I think Jay caught about 20 more on the day. <laughs> it's first day of fucking trout, right? Yeah. That's we got to the river at like ten thirty or eleven. What? What were you doing? I'm here for the I'm for here for the killing. Are you here for the killing? And every fish had been hooked by the time we got there. Yeah. There's, like, there's just something like I mean, and you know, us. I already knew, or you know, us going down to a river. I think in any situation, 
you go down there and you look, and even around all these people, people are already down there. I knew exactly where I was going to stand. I knew where every fish was. And I knew exactly where I was going to stand, though I could put my stuff right in front of their face. No matter where I was, I could cast every spot I wanted to from right there and swing it right into where I wanted it and pull them off. You know what I mean? And you had no want to take your fly rod down? Zero. Not around all those people. Well, and then I'm going to show them something. I could have stripped streamers and probably did the same fucking thing. I, I know. know I could have. I know I could have. But it's more fun. Come on. We're out camaraderie in. I'm throwing. I'm gonna throw the Joe's fly, beat the shit out of him, and hang out on the first day of trout like everybody else, like every other redneck in West or in, in Western Pen, or Pennsylvania. Did you get any wild fish? Yeah, you got that one. That the one I you. sent you. Yeah. yeah, I murdered it. Did you see the picture of that, Mark? Mm-hmm. Did you think it's it was dead. wild? Oh yeah. Was it, I don't. How else? What, they they don't, they don't stock them. They but, don't stock them. But that's about sure? to mean one yeah. didn't get into a bucket accidentally. Did you see the fins? It was gorgeous. Did you see the fins on that yeah. fish? Yeah, I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I don't. It's dead down there. It, it's 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 eagle bait. It's raccoon food. Yeah, it's eagle bait. Yeah, that traveled down down deep. It did. <laughs> oh yeah, it was awful. I felt terrible. I wasn't there for them. I was there for all the stupid stockies, and it happens to a stocky, whatever. You know, yeah, let it know. die, they're or always, I will eat it. I should have just kept and ate it, to be honest. But it was, it was small. It was gorgeous. No, it was a gorgeous fish. I don't know. I, I, you know, looking at them now, we caught some the other day out of a place, and they were decent looking too. But I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's like the times that we've caught them before, they've always been down in front of another creek mouse. So it's kind of like there's oh, a ton okay of creek that, mouse, ma- that though. makes sense. They came out, you grew up and got bigger. But for them up there, I don't. There's, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm actually looking right now to see if they do stock it my, with brookies. My no, pops, they don't. I, I look. Think, I know. Yeah, no, they, they don't. don't. No, no goldens, rainbows, and browns. My pops referenced them What's stro- a stocking some brookies, but he—I mean—he could be wrong. I mean, I—I I trust what you guys are saying. What? What's a golden? A golden, or did I say a, a banana? Or did I say a banana fish? A banana. I didn't see, dude. Then it floated it. I don't. I feel like they didn't stock the bottom end of it. Like I didn't see very many stocked fish at all. Like, did you catch any on on streamers when you floated it? Yeah, I saw two stocked fish, two other stocked trout. That was it. I got one, and I had one come up, and I watched it turn and hit a fly right next to the boat, dude. Yeah. So, okay. But we went to a place the first day. We went to a place I've never went to, Chad, on that same creek that we've always fished since we were twelve years old. I went all the way up from where the top float, the top end of the top float, Mark. And I kept going way up. Even we went up way higher than yeah. that, as far as you can drive. Yeah, and, uh, I know where you are. Yeah, real pretty water. It was yeah. cool. I had a good time up there. Right where the dirt road bends. That's that real sketchy road, then where it bends yeah, and goes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's nice. The dirt road, yeah. yeah. A lot of pretty water up through there. Yeah. I don't know how many times you have to rip the raft out of there, but when I took Ollie for my very first time fishing, we went. We came home that way, and uh, yeah, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Way up there, his first time fishing. My first time fishing with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my first. But, uh, be- my first beer. Yeah, so I we yeah we went way up there, job. and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. At one point, I was catching fish at Adam's feet. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I'm here now. I'm not gonna move, but they're right they're right there for you. Yeah, they're on the inside seam. You fish inside the outside first. Fish right in front of you, and then fish out. And work your way out, and then work it down technically. But when the hell Mark will break a piece of water apart, break it down. Just fish it all. 
boom, swing your fly through every section of it. Cast a little further. Yeah. Let but it fall. They stalk no brookies in that whole county or even in the other portion in the other county. There's no brookie stalked in it either. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's none I mean, that there, of we, any surrounding water to there's it. There's probably, no. f- I at least know, I'd say six six for sure. Other, you know, bur- brookie streams that run into there. So. Should you at least keep it? No, I should have probably, but yeah. eh, it, it was at the moment I was like, you know, I just cut it and let you it know sit. What? There would have been the right way because if you'd have killed that thing, you'd have cut it open. We'd know it immediately because the inside would have been beet red or dark colored meat. Oh, sure, it'd have been. Yeah, you're it'd right. Be a lot whiter in that. You know? Sure. Yeah. Because then brookies like in, there's always have that, that little like uh, oh I just blanked out more salmon char char type colored meat. Yeah. That would have been the perfect opportunity if you ever wanted to get a brook trout mounted. Uh, you know, yeah. I thought about that too. You know, I did. I so thought that. Words, all these you, things you ran through it. my yep. all these other things ran through my head, and I'm like, it was just in the moment. I just wanted them to live, and I just wanted to put them back. And as it was swimming out of your hand, yeah, I, I just like, wanted I them to live, man. Yeah, and I, was just, I, I cut the treble hook off of the fly, off the Joe's fly, and just let it let him. It was down in his. It was in his actually down in his one end of his gill. So to be honest, that was like that pike that day. I just didn't want to tear it out of his gill and tear him to pieces. Like that pike that day that I was with you. And I'm like trying to get him alive, and he yeah. slips out of my hand, and he head dives straight to the bottom. Yeah, you're like, uh. I'm like trying to hold him, and he just slips. He goes, shoom. I'm like, it's, oh. It's, well, a, it's a blood sport. Like, even, you know, like Russ it Madden is, says. It is, it is. If you're out there and Sometimes you're not. Sometimes they yes. engulf it, and they not, eat it so deep. You're if done. you're not ready to kill a fish when you're out there, you know, uh, don't go out and fish. Apparently. I mean, it is what it is. Apparently, with the taxidermy of fish nowadays, they used, I mean, they used to use. At least part of the real fish. Now it's 100% not real fish. Well, sure. You, you can still get skin mounts, but the replicas are m- way more durable and they look better. Yeah. I mean, so you could just give a take a pic, take a taxidermist a picture of that fish. I have. Yeah. Thing. I've caught a. I've caught a. I don't know. I've caught a lot of gorgeous ones of those. They're 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 awesome. They're there. But that one was dark. That, it was. It was a good looking fish. That was a pretty fish. Yeah. Yeah. Nice black mouth. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I was it's showing different. him when I caught it. Definitely makes a difference on who does them, though, too, big time. Absolutely. Like, I mean, like yeah. those two? <laughs> those are like, shitty mouths. So, like, I'm looking at yours. Like, you've seen the one in my basement. Yeah. That fish now is, I caught that Steely? when I was 20. So that's almost 16 years old, and that fish literally looks like day one. It's still head, like, right? Yeah. It's still head? Yeah. yeah. I got a rainbow lake trout and a rainbow brown trout from Ontario. That they, I mean, they both look pretty good. They're held up well? Six, like, about the same. 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I've never mounted anything. I'm going to mount something tonight. <laughs> <laughs> His name's Ollie. <laughs> I tell you what I would like to have. Right uh, after he does you. <clears throat> yeah. I got a 65-pound coyote down my dad's store that at some point I'd like to get room in my house to bring back. My wife like, keeps gives me the... Mm-mm. What, do you got a full body We're mount? not putting a dog in our it house is, and uh, a dog. Yeah, it's it's a full body and it's staying like the, the guy that did it, um, from Burt Weston, Mercer. Okay. He took in uh, like foam and carved like a rock formation so it's like paws up on it and it's heads up. It's really That's cool what looking. That's what he did. I wouldn't mind yeah. getting a coyote tanned. That'd yeah. be sweet. I would have to go Put out and hunt a coyote. But just like uh, Nishana Creek has where they have the coyote trap. I know. Well, yeah, I mean, you can put oh, traps That's, that's way worse, dude. Then you got to go up to it, what's making all these well, noises. Well, at you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> a lot easier to kill it that way. <laughs> sure, sure. I know, I know. I understand. You one, one You're not telling me. I just, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, can I'm you a imagine, pussy. Have you seen them videos of the people that have accidentally snared them and had to try to go in and let them loose? So I was in 
I'm not going to say what county I was in last week. Uh, and the game warden is friends with the person whose camp we out or we were staying at, and she came by, and they had someone who forgot about a bobcat snare, who snared a bobcat, a bobcat. and it was in there for like three days. Yeah. So she had to go and put the bobcat down. Oh. And she called the guy, and she knows the guy from from other dealings, and he helped like prosecute. Uh, a poacher. Yeah. And he it was just a legitimately. He just forgot about that snare. It was tagged and everything. She said he's like three grand deep into into fines. <laughs> just for forgetting. Of all species, too. Probably yeah. the most protected one there is. Yeah. And you have to have specific permits and everything for where you're at. Especially on that in Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah, that's just. <sighs> See, d- I don't understand why then. Then why? Why what? the bobcat roamed there? There's not enough of them to have to snare one anyway. Mm, there, there are more bobcats than you think. Yeah, definitely. Sure, I mean, I, 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 I tell you what. How, how about the crap uh, with when remember Dick was up here, and he stays at my place. Remember he slept down. He's oh, like, yeah. dude, there was a bobcat last night. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then he's like, no, I heard it. And then I went in my truck, and he goes, and then I heard it again. I'm like, yeah, okay. And I didn't believe That's a him. house cat. No. And then like two months goes by, and then sure enough, there's a bobcat in the county. And there's like not like one, but there's like eight different sources citing and pictures at this bobcats. I'm like, oh my dog gone. Goddamn dick. Then it wasn't long after I heard that screeching noise. I was like, there was a bobcat. There went yeah. all my chickens. And I think a weasel got them, but who yeah, knows? I'm Maybe it could have been because something got in. Yeah, definitely got all the chickens. They were gone. Have you ever seen one in Pennsylvania? I have. No. I have seen one. Yeah. It was oh, shoot. I might have been 17 on first day of. Uh, doe season. I don't believe a seventeen-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you were still drunk, Chad. No, no, no. That was before Uncle She was there, and he limited our alcohol intakes. <laughs> my yep. my wife tells a story about seeing a, a mountain lion when she was like eight in Pennsylvania. I'm like, ah, and I just don't. <laughs> just might have been a bobcat. This <clears throat> no, actually, maybe she says it was a bobcat, and I just I'm like it was probably a house cat. <laughs> this same game warden said that every every uh, story that she's ever heard about mountain lions are all fake. Yeah, They're, but but I did see a goddamn bobcat. <laughs> Coolest <laughs> thing I ever it was saw down was a buzzard a... swamp in Marionville. Yeah, so Coolest thing I'll I saw her in that <laughs> jet black coyote, just dead black. But we followed never, those never saw a too. bobcat. We followed those prints. Like, oh, yeah. Left, like six miles down that creek that one day looking for Brookies. That was fun. And, yeah. I mean, this thing is walking over top of logs that are this big around, you know, and that's just, you know. No toenails. No nothing. I think it was a cat, yeah. Oh, yeah. it had to be. Yeah. That are, I mean, fox. Yeah, it was feline. Yeah. Cool. Fox don't, you know, they don't uh, run over top of logs yeah, like that. Well, they run a line on the ground. But fox would have nails in their prints. Yeah, sure. You, you know the difference. That's cool. Yeah, we <laughs> looked up the prints even. Yeah. Took pictures of them. It was pretty cool. We followed him forever. He was just running the high side, just like we did. Yeah, exactly like we did. Mm-hmm. Take the easiest route. But he has better balance than us. Sure. <laughs> Ours were all staggered, and, you know. So, boys, do we have anything else we want to hit on this evening? No. Nope. I want to thank Ryan Callahan for coming on, man. <clears throat> that, was a, that was a fun show, a fun interview. It was huge. It was huge. Huge. <laughs> Oh, I did have. I'm not one. Had a fun time out with PJ and Mike. Hadn't been out with Mike in a while. 
like I said, I made a joke about him. He look, he he's got a new look. He's got some some hair and a beard. And he looked like he was just gonna get right out of the boat and just walk right across the water <laughs> and start catching trout. And I'm like, oh man. And you know, and and, and you know how Mike used to be, where he stripped a little, you know, a little yeah. bit small. No, he had a nice size streamer on, dude, stripping streamer. And man, he's hit that first trout, and it was like, you know, he, you can see it. He's like, oh, it's, oh, it's a good one, decent one, you know. And, PJ went over and netted for him, and it's because he's not pussy whipped anymore. Yeah, he, he's got it. He's got it going. So hopefully we'll get out a little more. We didn't get out enough last year, so it was a good timeout. Yeah, That's all I have from that float. Absolutely. The rest was just fun. Yeah, man. All floats are fun. So tonight's show brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at predatorflygear.com. Hey, Rex Hooks, fresher salt water. Find them at rexhooks.com. Sims Fishing, simsfishing.com. Yeti built for the wild. Tonight's show has been recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at urbanflycompany.com. And go check out Michael down to Earth Wealth Management. Do a little investing. Our buddy Ryan, Queen City Guiding. Hey, congratulations on the new baby. Uh, you know, keep plugging out there. Queencityguiding.com. Call Frank, not the bank.